I'm recording this podcast under my nom de plume because you're in the doom room. I'm Alex and I'm doomed. Ha 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 choom! You're in the doom room. I'm Justin and I'm doomed. Oh boy, I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Doom Patrol Season 2, Episode 2, Time Patrol. Brief bit of recap here before we get into it, if it's been a while since you've watched the episode. Now that everybody has been embiggened, they're trying to figure out what's going on with Niles Calder. Turns out he traded his, maybe not immortality, but certainly long life to get everybody big and to help Dorothy hopefully live some sort of semblance of a normal life. Uh, in order to heal him is probably also the wrong word, but mm. in order to get his life back, they end up tangling with the terrible Dr. Time, break open his head. It doesn't go well, and ultimately everybody's kind of annoyed uh, as a team and not working together as a team. Meanwhile, Cyborg is off on his own side mission, meeting a cute lady, and oh, Larry is off on his own side, side mission. mission meeting with the dead body of his son and the living body of his other son. That's how I describe it. <laughs> wow. Know, hell of a way to describe a funeral, but sure. <laughs> I have a big meeting today with the dead body of my grandmother. <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, when I was writing down notes for the episode and his living son was like, hey, why don't you come by? I was like, what's that called? An after party? No, that's not an after party for a funeral. Oh my what's God. the word for it's- that? Apple TV's after party. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So there you go. That's a brief a bit of recap for the episode. Pete, what happened at the beginning of the episode that you really want to focus on for the next five minutes? Oh, great. Yes. Oh, wow. uh, this is a section now? This is a no. segment we're doing officially? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, don't. Don't spell time that way. You know what I mean? People make it harder on us with the funky spellings. Yeah, I mean, read is right. You know what I mean? I Once we saw the title of the episode, I was already worried because I was like, you know, usually the, the title is a fun, cute thing, but I was like, oh, this is a sign. Uh, things are going to go horribly wrong. Is that really the hill you want a D-Y-E on? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no comment from you, Pete. Okay. <laughs> yep. None. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll just kind of roll out from there. Uh, yeah. So I let's talk about the terrible Doctor Time stuff. I think we could jump to that because that's a super fun sequence. I love how hard disco. They are. You love disco. I love disco. Right. And I love how hard they're leaning into the comic book nature. Like, this is a character from the comic books. They do their own tweaks for the show. But just mm-hmm. having a dude with a cartoon clock head is very fun. <laughs> I mean, the part where Cliff turns and goes, I'm sorry I made fun of your drawing was just really great. I mean, that was really fun. I mean, Cliff, a character that is basically a villain now in this show, um, <laughs> it's nice that he still gets to have a little bit of fun here and there. Talk about that a little bit more. Why do you think Cliff is a villain in the show now? He's he's given over to his anger almost completely, and I understand he's mad at Niles with every good reason. Did you just say that Cliff is a villain? Well, you're very, with the delay are you on, on a this. delay? What's going well, on? Go after yourself. I was hoping you were going to like make sense, but then I was like, no, 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 no. This is, I was giving you're, you a chance, but this is awful. He is speaking for us, the people watching the show. He is commenting on things in a way that makes sense in an insane world. Pete, uh, Justin, you better be careful or Pete might K-Y-L-L you. Oh, uh oh. I know uh, what that means. You Wait, know what KY? <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. 
I mean, I'm my curiosity's <laughs> peaked. What I'm saying is, Cliff is so far gone in his anger that he's being awful to everyone. Like he's he's beyond name, the pale. I think name when it one comes to time his, like, you, he's bad. It, it, he, he's, he's calling awful it to out. Dorothy. He's awful to Dorothy, who is a child, which okay. is a uh, not nice. No, she's like three hundred um, years old. I don't know if she's a child. Uh, she's in the form of a child, maybe, but you know what I mean. Uh, I would argue she's still pretty childlike. I, I don't uh, remember what age, she age said. Don't make, age don't make a child, Pete. Look at, well, us, us in, in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. You got me there. Um, uh, can, can I uh, give sort of a mid-ground here between Pete, Cliff can do no wrong, and Justin Cliff as a villain is – He's definitely amped up this season, like very much so. They're leaning into not just the humor of how Brendan Fraser delivers cursing, which we talked about a couple of episodes back. He's really good at it. Like, that's not an easy One thing to do. One of the best. I mean, he's, I got tip my hat. It's impressive. Everything that he is doing, all of his lines in both of these episodes are delivered at a screech level, like not screech the character from Saved by the Bell, but he is amped up right now. And I do think that ties into the revelation from last season that Niles caused his accident. Like he'd been blaming himself. It was his fault. He was putting all of that hurt and pain on himself. And that was actually letting him grow as a person. So now that he knows it's actually Niles fault, he's essentially regressed into being a petulant child. Like, I don't think it's a villain. All right, take it easy with that. He is take though. Take it easy like, with that. His, in, his interrogation. Off, okay, go ahead. First off, he's a fucking brain in a tin can. So back the fuck up off of him. Okay. You're a um, brain in a flesh bag, man. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah you're we a meat all can. Are. We all are. Whatever. Go after yourself with that. The point is, <laughs> you are he's dealing with a lot, okay? And then he just found out the guy who's supposed to be helping has been fucking him the whole time. So, sorry for a couple episodes. Maybe he's screaming at some kids and maybe dealing with some things. Uh, you know, he's also going in there and, you know, helping and trying to save the day. And the only one who's uh, talking to Jane at all. So, you know what I mean? Like, sorry if he's not up to your standards of how people should interact with each other. He's not being nice to Jane either. He's being he's only he's waking her feel worse every time he talks. He's to trying he's like, to help, yeah. though. He's yelling at her all the time. Yeah, I mean, not Still getting talking. back to it. My standards of interacting with other human beings sort of like at the lowest bar start with don't yell at children all the time. Oh, my God. You guys, so Cliff yelled at one child one time. He is time. lashing out at Dorothy for a very obvious reason, which is he is mad at Niles for killing his daughter, which fair. Thank so you. So he is lashing out at Can Niles' have daughter. a couple episodes? He's lashing out at Niles' daughter. Not fair, because not her fault. She did not control it. And sure, I'm sure but she's also like, packing, I don't know how many monsters. And You, you love know, those monsters, though, man. You thought the mirror cute. monster was cute? Yep. Jane clearly doesn't think so. I you thought that was love Herschel, the joke-telling spider. That was hysterical. Armageddon who? Come on. Yeah, it's a great, that's the, a funny spider. That's a yeah. pretty funny spider. I Honestly, love the juxtaposition of a giant scary spider and then also a sense of humor. I think that's fun. Here's the thing. All spiders are funny. They're just not large <laughs> enough to tell you jokes. Oh, that's heartbreaking. That's right. Daddy long legs are very funny. They just can't <laughs> get their mouths up to the mic. 
Uh, yeah. What's happening is you know, we'll you've heard the to... thing. You eat eight spiders a year while you're sleeping, right? What yeah, they're actually yeah. doing is they're Snapple trying to, fact. They're so trying to be get true. up to your ear to whisper some jokes to you, and they keep falling in your mouth. Oh. It's very simple. I just have a great joke for you. <laughs> into, your, into your mouth. Throats are right. so long. I mean, were you guys excited to go back to the circus horror show? I mean, I was a little scared to go back in there. You're all over the place, you, man. Yeah. You're talking about the beginning of the episode? Pete likes to yes. start at the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because snows that's and how toes. He, that's how his notes are written. I love Snows and Toes. I've been a fan <laughs> of Snows and Toes forever. Like, so it's for nice me, they got a little, little stage time in this one. Abin Costello, <laughs> right? Sonny and Cher, Snows and Toes. Wow. Woo. Wow. Great oh, ranking. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that blew my mind a little bit. I honestly I mean, think those Stooges, are the Stooges not in there. Well, I did like. I think those. Hey, wait, well, real quick. I yeah. think that's the opening lyrics to Rita and Runt from Animaniacs. <laughs> Snows and toes. Like, no, Ab and Costello, uh, Sonny and Cher. They're the perfect pair. It's Rita and Runt. Anybody Animaniacs from the nineties? I don't remember, I remember Animaniacs, it, but I don't yeah. remember. I that. don't what, know what yeah. you're talking about. Are you talking about the opening theme song? Uh, no, Rita and Runt were two characters. Two, they had their own segment in Animaniacs. Right, like the uh, Godfathers. Like, I get it. You know, Pinky in the brain. Good feathers, right. And then, yeah, Rita like, and Runt, that was the uh, dog and the cat, one of which was Bernadette Peters, right? I believe you're, yes. Okay, yeah. great. I do They're remember Bernadette brain. Peters. That's important. Nice. See, we're all on the same page. Snows and toes. <laughs> um, and we also got to see Candleman for the first time. And don't say that name three times. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hey Pete, candle make monster. wish, oh, Pete. That is so scary. Make wish, Pete. I mean, for those of you listening, Pete is scared right now. He literally <laughs> leaned away from the mic because when Alex did that, this because it's scary. I, I'm gonna have scary. a good season of this podcast. I, I can feel it already. I really liked to get back to the question that Pete asked. I did really like seeing this from the other perspective because we also drive into the point that we were just talking about that this is Niall's fault. He's trying to track down his daughter, and mind you, here he doesn't actually actively cause it. But things go wrong at the carnival because Niall is there, because the yoke jackalope sees him oh, and goes yeah. nuts. Yeah. So there's a missing period of time here. We don't know exactly whether Niles recontacted his lady in the woods or anything like that. Probably not. But certainly something happened where the jackalope went from mother to daughter here, if we are to assume that Dorothy is, in fact, Niles' daughter, which seems the obvious conclusion. Seems... Yeah, seems to be the obvious conclusion. Uh, but the jackalope traveled there. The jackalope is clearly upset, yoked. and that causes every yoked jackalope. jackalope. Come on. That guy don't. doesn't work out Jack-a-yoke. eight hours a day for you to not point out that that jackalope is yoked, all right? Yeah, I'm really sorry. I apologize to the jackalope, and I apologize to our listening audience. Thank you. Pete, you're the jackalope's trainer, right? You're like the oh, Mickey man, I wish. to the jackalope's oh, Rocky. That's a sweet gig. Yeah. In any case, I did like seeing this, and I like seeing the destruction there. Loved seeing the horrifying candle monster. Uh, the design there that? is great. Oh, yeah, I did. It's, it's, so it, it sort of was um, like uh, Peter Jackson esque in some ways. Oh, I um, was, was cool. I was kind of thinking of it to like a Miyazaki nightmare type thing, where it's like this monster that's dripping like hot lava everywhere, but it's candle wax. I mean, it's just a nightmare scenario. Let me ask you guys a question, because this is something they touched on the last episode and don't really talk about here, but we get to see a bunch more of Dorothy's constructs. 
how do you think it compares with Jane's powers? Because Jane's powers obviously are internal, but they're also bringing out all these characters with different powers. Dorothy kind of does the same thing, but she's external versus internal, which I do think is the big difference there. Do you think there's any crossover? Wait, do you think that we're going to get like a Voltron situation where Jane and Dorothy are going to combine and like they can like, I I don't know. What are you you suggesting there? No, no one's suggesting that. A Voltron <laughs> situation? Yeah, where their powers combined can make different hey, Excuse me, I something. actually have to cut the podcast short. I have a Voltron situation. <laughs> well, I want to get just, it. I want the three of us to get into a Voltron situation. Just two arms and a torso. That's right. Wriggling on the uh, what ground. Are, what are you writing right now? I'm sort of writing a Voltron situational comedy. It's a Voltron sitcom. You know, well, they it's sell, a great sell, idea. Together. It's a good First idea. Is, it's like friends, it. but they all live in a robot. Oh, wow. Finally, something for them to do rather than sit around drinking coffee. Here's my problem. Huh. You couldn't afford a robot that size in New York. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's good. Oh, man. Um, I think we, uh, one big revelation, we learned that Danny the Street is British. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the little posters and stuff should be read in a British accent. Yeah, it all the O's the and show. U's instead of just O's, right? Plus, technically, he's probably not Danny the Street. He's like Danny the Cop-Off Alley or Danny the Nickel <laughs> nickel Knob or some kind of funny <laughs> Nickel Knob? That was... Like whatever they call a street, like a uh, flat versus an apartment. I did really like, I thought this was really a neat textual thing of making him look different and old-timey. So seeing how he has actually changed with the times, I thought that was a really... Cool, fun detail, and also just creates this. We talked about this a lot, but just overall, the tapestry of the show and the history of the show, because they're dealing with like a hundred, a hundred fifty years, something like that. There's so many things they can throw in there in terms of, in this case, Danny and Niles' relationships and how they work together. They can have Dorothy be there, and then maybe at some point in the future, we could see what it was like for Dorothy on Danny the Street. That's over the, course the thing of all this that's time. killing me is everybody's like, "Oh, we need Danny the Street back so we can shove their shove her back in there." And I was like, "Can we talk to Dorothy a little bit about where she wants to go and like what her experience is?" Because it's a lot of people. You know, Niles is like, "I'm still here. I'm still here," and it's like you guys are making all these decisions around Dorothy, and it's kind of very similar. By talk to Dorothy, you mean scream at her and punish her. In the beginning, yeah, until you can get your feelings out, and then maybe you can calm down and have a conversation with somebody. But sometimes you got to scream for two episodes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who are yeah, you referring makes- to specifically? Any characters in particular? Or- <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about Cliff. Oh, oh, okay. All right. I didn't know that. Let's talk about some of the other characters, then. We could keep on the folks who are on the terrible Dr. Time beat and talk about Jane. We touched on her a little bit, but she is still retreating inside of herself. She is warring with the other parts of her personality. And I do think there is a pretty big revelation here that they do a nice job of almost underplaying. And tell me if you guys interpret it differently, but Jane is not the main personality. Kay is the main personality. Right. So he's what the is, original. Exactly. The She's the OG. Which is something they hinted at very, very strongly the last season, but didn't outright state. Here we find out. And also we find out that Miranda may have been the first dominant personality, oh, not in fact Jane Miranda as the pilot. Scary. Yeah. So what do you think about all this? What, uh, Justin, anybody who like whisper talks in your ear is just the worst kind of scary person. Mm. Yeah. Um, you what about the Yang twins? Do you like it when they whisper, Pete? <laughs> wow. What a ref, dude. Thank you. 
It's all it jumbled up there somewhere. Oh boy. This I like this. Got out the memory of Ying Yang twins, and then I lost every single other part of English. Your head's oozing purple from the giant hole in the back, Alex. I mean, the boggle uh, uh, ref was really, that was fun. I mean, that, that was, was a great move. But getting back to the Jane revelation, Justin, again, this is your first time through here. Pete, I don't know how much you remember it, so we can turn to you in a second. But what was your take on that? How do you think this changes how we view Jane? Well, I think it takes her out of sort of the power position where she's she's just numbing all of the other personalities. Like, I can't deal with this now. I'm in charge. It's fine. Well, one of them's a nun with a chainsaw, so maybe numbing's a good idea. Yeah. Numb the nun, I say. But I, I do think... Uh, She's learning now that she might lose her position as the primary. Like there's a chance that she has to resolve some of these issues because she will be ousted from control. A return of maybe Miranda comes out of the well, um, you know, like uh, scary style. Yeah. Um, or or there's another personality tries to get dominant. Maybe Kay comes back. So I think Jane is going to be a little bit more threatened. I also thought – and. Uh, that the dunking and different personalities Ooh. popping up may have led to some of the formulation of these personalities mm. and sort of the the nature of them sort of cycling through as her just trying to stop these traumatic things from happening. And man, that uh, actress who was playing the character, you know, getting dunked and the way she came up from the water different every time. So amazing. So uh, so spooky. That was really It's crazy. a really cool sequence, and I appreciate the way this show is treating dissociative identity disorder. I think they have to do it in the modern era this way, but if you look at older comics, it's sort of like, what a cool power. You have all these personalities. In the more modern era, we understand more about – uh, what is going on mentally with people who have dissociative identity disorder. So to treat it that way, I think is very responsible and very interesting. And I also like the fact, again, that I think this is something we suspected strongly, but I don't believe was ever stated outright, is uh, that Jane had these personalities before she had the powers. So it might be, again, an interesting thing to play at, and I'm forgetting a lot of the details here, so maybe they do hit on it, but the idea of if these personalities exist, did whatever happened to Jane then give each of those powers, or did they emerge with the powers, or how did that work? I guess there's a lot of- Voltron situation. Is it a Voltron situation? Exactly. exactly. Big Voltron, series of Voltron situations. Big Voltron. Uh, I think it's what's interesting is Jane is kind of like, uh, for us, the audience, the one we're rooting for because we've seen the most. So it's also like this thing of like, oh, man, I like Jane as a character. She seems to be level housed enough to help all these people get on the same page. Um, you know, having somebody else take over uh, is is a you know, just another step backwards for this character, which is, you know, kind of a scary thing and something uh, we definitely don't want if we're rooting for this team to succeed. Yeah, I think that's a really good point there, in particular because Jade is our character, right? Like, she's the one that we started with. So even if she's not the main personality, we as viewers... We don't know Kay yet. We don't even really know yeah. Hammerhead as well as we know Jane. So... She may not be the main personality, but she is the one we're brooding for. And that puts, I think, us as viewers of the show in a really interesting situation in terms of relating to what is going on with her. Yeah. And it sounds like Miranda is maybe a little bit more um, able to lie, at least. 
Um, it's so Miranda. So, so Miranda. Mm-hmm. She's such a Miranda. You're, what are yeah, you? I, I feel like I'm more of a penny farthing. That's wow. right. Yeah. <laughs> Take the words right out of my mouth, penny farthing. <laughs> you are 100% that. Uh, driver 8 over here saying that. All right. So <laughs> why don't we talk about Rita? We touched on her earlier as well, but she's the third part of that team that goes to take out the terrible Dr. Time. Love the stuff that's happening with her as well. We talked about this yeah. over the past couple of episodes, but she is really not just stepping up as a leader, but also in terms of understanding. Ripping heads off, like really contrib- off. contributing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, what was your take on here, her in this episode and everything going on with her, particularly because she has, like Jane, a huge regression point towards the end of the episode? Well, I like that she's getting stuff done. And um, I was surprised she felt she's uncomfortable in this leadership role. So I think she was like, oh, let me just rewind this because I think I messed up. And then she pays the price when Dr. Time really goes in hard, knows her real name and makes her feel bad. Well, I, I, I would beg to differ that she doesn't move backwards a little bit because the window for Dorothy really kind of opens for her. And she's like t- teaching her how to mm-hmm. cook and having a connection Making there. Some eggs. So I'm very excited about Rita moving forward. Um, also, like Rita was killing it in this episode with some great one liners, uh, you know, her for the love of God, you know, when, you know, the, they're going Jane and Dorothy going back and forth about whether it's the truth or a lie. And she's like, for the love of God, what's true or isn't it a lie? You know, like, uh, tell me what's going on. So I, I, I think Rita really had a lot of funny moments in this in this app. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm. Rita as a character has really already evolved a lot and is is so much more fun right now. Moving over to Cyborg, because as we mentioned earlier, he's on this whole side mission where he's trying to explore his PTSD and exactly what's going on with him. It's so interesting seeing him in this thing that's almost like a different drama at this point. Yeah. You know, uh, it's like almost like a procedural it? or like um, some other uh like an NCIS style thing where he's like, well, when you leave the case. manor, it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're stepping into a completely different world. You know what well, I mean? to the point that it's shot in a different style, yeah. it's lit in yeah. a different way, which is kind of interesting. And I, I like it because it gives, um, blanking on the name like of the actor. Tone there. I don't like your uh, tone. I think it's Yovian Wade is the name of the actor who plays Vic. It gives him a chance to flex his dramatic muscles. He, uh, finally gets to strike up a flirtation with this woman who clearly has some serious PTSD in her past as well. But I think it works really well. And I like seeing them connect here. Yeah. The, I, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I do want it to get a little more Doom patrol or like a little more surprising or original. It feels like the whole thing with the mugger, it's like he has to learn that the moral order he has as a superhero is not the, how the world actually works. But, I mean, we've seen that story so many times, so I want to hear the Doom Patrol version of that story. Can I point out a line that she says that I thought was a good line but also totally doesn't hold up? After she convinces him – well, before she convinces him to not call the cops on this dude because she's like, he might just be a kid. He's just trying to do something. He didn't take anything. It's fine. She says, nobody should be judged by the worst thing they ever did. Right. And I think mostly that's true, but immediately I was like, what about like, you know, Hitler, for example? He did did some bad stuff. I feel like we could probably judge him by the worst thing he did. Or well, I, I think he. I would consider what Hitler did a lot of bad things, not just sure. one bad thing. <laughs> well, okay, let's to. talk about the worst thing that Hitler did, and I feel like we can still judge him by that. 
You're talking about yeah. his painting, his art. Yes, there Super it is. Bad. Uh, but let me bad. let me say, I think <laughs> this this line feels a little too convenient. The Hitler me. line is what that the line nope, you're talking not about. Not talking okay. about that line. That's okay. a line we said, or you more particularly. Yeah, um, never cross the Hitler line. Yeah. that's what I, I keep telling you that, Pete. I tr- I keep remembering. He was <laughs> so far, so far, wow. so good. <laughs> he was born across the Hitler line. I, I just mean this feels a little too convenient, and maybe um, this romance. There's a little with Ronnie. This may not be uh, everything that we see. Well, I gotta say, as the rom com expert here, I'm loving it. Okay, you know, Vic being vulnerable. You know, getting a, a you know different perspective on things. Also, you know, like, hey, Vic, you know, maybe don't call the cops. You know what I mean? So this is all great for Vic. But what's a uh, a little frustrating is, uh, hey, Vic, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Uh, I thought you were going to deal with your dad shit and like try to figure out this whole thing that's in your brain that maybe isn't going on. And did you forget about the painting where the bad guys are just kind of frozen in time for a sec? You think that's going to last? And like, hey, there's a lot of things going on. And like, hey, man, I'm glad you uh, are trying to deal with some stuff. And that's great. But like uh, things are on fire back here and uh, we kind of need you. Yeah. Uh, why don't we talk about Larry before we start to wrap up here? Because there's, of course, a big storyline that's happening with him. I continue to love everything that's happening with Larry just because of the density of the emotion going on in these scenes. Yeah. Everything that's happening to him from being at the funeral to just the overall weirdness that he's almost younger than his son at this point. Yeah. Is fascinating to watch the scene in the barn where he discovers the letters that his son oh, wrote to him so over the years. Sad. Oh my Very god, upsetting. killed me. Killed me. Plus, yeah. I love this. Is just looks like a different show as well. Like this, like autumn palette. Him like walking on the. Um, the that's, and then he steps into an episode of Reading Rainbow when the butterflies come and uh, try to murder. Never him. trust a butterfly. Everybody knows that. I can fly twice as high. I'll just throw that out there. Oh wow! Uh, I just, oh, that's from Animaniacs, right? Yeah. 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 Read it um, in the brain, I think. <laughs> what What's a little bit of like, it's hard to see like Vic and LT not helping the team right now because they could really use it. So it's like part of me is like, oh, this is great. Larry's finally kind of dealing with this, going to the funeral, like kind of uh, uh, trying to reach out to his family. That's very exciting. But the problem is I can't enjoy it because it's like, hey, we could really use that light being back when they're fighting a disco hell person. So like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. can't, can't what can we do here? Can we either like let Larry go to the funeral and then when he gets back, we all go on an adventure or like what's going on? Because right now the timing of everything is... Uh, is is kind of... Well, I mean, they've done this before, right? Like, they've sent everybody off on their own missions. In season one, it was much more about being paired than being individual, which is probably why it feels different. But uh, given the first season and how good that was, I'm confident in this show. Again, I'll just emphasize, I've seen the episodes... I don't remember the specific thrust of the plot, but I do think we're going to see things crisscross and ultimately come together because that's just what the show does, you know? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Anything else we want to call about the episode? Two quick things. I love um, Doris Day Ikea um, calling uh, Darling the the construct that Pete loves so much with the light up eyes. Thought that was fun. Oh, and yeah. then Cliff really laying into the idea that before you get put into a giant metal body, make sure you fuck a watermelon. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think he was just kind of, you know, that was a hilarious just thing to throw in there. You know what I mean? It Gotta seems like it. something he was like, if it's on he your list, it. Your it seems like list. he really misses it. That's know? what yeah. I'm saying. To list that in that moment, <laughs> along with like other like hug your kids. And then he's like, fuck a watermelon. It feels like really high up there <laughs> on the priority list. Yeah. And a little piece of advice to anybody listening to the podcast, warm up the watermelon first. Oh, come <laughs> on, man. Oh, dude. Yeah, Alex, you Just bought saying. a fruit warmer, right? For all the different fruit that you plan on fucking. <laughs> Absolutely. You got to have an oven that's large enough. And the important part is you don't warm it too long because then it gets cooked. That's not what you're looking for. You're just looking for yeah. a nice, even warm throughout the whole melon. It's oh, all now I Now I know your insult. Go fuck a hot watermelon. Now I know what that means. It's like oh, man. nasty. No, it's a compliment. It's a compliment. Um, uh, things I wanted to point have out a nice was day. It's basically when, the same thing. Oh, oh I got you. Yeah. When Cliff loses it and is like, no more bad girls, and just kind of like smashes mm-hmm. the record player. That was just, fun. that's fun. That's fun stuff. A uh, couple of things that I thought that I noted down were interesting. I uh, really liked Cliff's line. Yeah, yeah, I bet you cried for weeks. Oh, weeks. Oh, yeah. Very fun. Uh, and also, we didn't really talk about this, but just the talisman was the thing keeping him alive. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see as they potentially continue to look for things to try to keep him alive. Also, he's 139 years old, which was kind of wild. The whole argument about changing his diapers. Great yeah, digression there. Very, very yeah. fun. Uh, I loved uh, Cliff's anger for making him relive the Peking noodle. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite exchange in the whole thing is when Cliff is refusing to go visit the terrible Dr. Time and yeah. then Niall says, okay, that's fine. Don't do it. And then Cliff yeah, says, goes, is, I this, agree with is this reverse psychology? Niall says, no. And he says, then fuck it. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very funny. Maybe laugh out loud. Also, like when Rita, like they first get there and Rita's like, remember the chief says, he's like, oh, go fuck, fuck the chief. Yeah. You know, like just so funny. Uh, there's also one other thing at the end of the episode that we touched on a little bit, but is so harsh. We get to see Niall say Clara was deemed expendable, oh, which yeah. is messed up. Like, yeah, clearly cool. he's uncomfortable about it. And I know I'm giving him a lot of credit here, but it's still such a harsh, horrible thing to say. Yeah. He put his daughter's future above um, Cliff's daughter's future. Yeah. And then they yeah. kind of played that part where he's like, when pushed into a corner, I will do anything for my daughter. Which, yeah, yeah, congratulations on being a dad, I guess. Uh, And last but not least, we do get to see Larry be overtaken by a cloud of butterflies at the end there. Other than being taken to see LeVar Burton, what do you think is going on with him? It's a trap. It's got to be a Mr. Nobody trap or something. I don't know why you would calmly sit there and let uh, uh, butterflies kind of trap you like that. I mean, you got to fight. This feels like a new character or maybe someone or something that um, can sort of sense the negative spirit and is chasing Mm. that, I guess. I guess we'll have to see what happens. Before we wrap up, though, who's most doomed this episode? Justin, who's most doomed? I mean, Niles uh, has really fallen off, but I think I said it earlier. Uh, Cliff is uh, becoming a villain and he needs to help himself before he goes too far. Oh. Man, I'm going to give it up for Larry being most doomed in this episode. We just talked yeah. about this, but whatever's going on with the butterflies probably isn't a good thing. I don't know if you guys have ever been to one of those butterfly exhibits like a zoo or a museum. It's hot in there. It is super yeah. hot and very uncomfortable, and you think it's going to be nice to look at all these butterflies, but it's it's yeah. not a fun time. He's going to end up in Capistrano or Absolutely. wherever they end up. 
<laughs> I think that's Swallows. Isn't that Swallows? I think that's Swallows, yeah. yeah. Okay. But Pete, somewhere down there. Yeah, mm-hmm. around the California coast somewhere. Pete, who's most doomed? Jane is most doomed. It looks like Miranda's going to be taking over. I'm worried about what's happening uh, moving forward. Listen, everybody's in a really bad place. And if you would like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to chat with you about Doom Patrol, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And now before we wrap up here, let's get a piece of advice spelled A-D-V-Y-C-E. Yes. Well, you ruin it when you do that kind of setup. So my advice is don't spell things harder than they need to be. You know, life is already hard enough. Wow. That's true. One for one, Pete. (laughs) (laughs) 